Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5, AM 750, WSB, and Atlanta's Evening News. Okay, I just, so if you heard Veronica Waters during the, the news break, she interviewed some of the protesters who were protesting President Trump's visit. I just, I, I want to play these two protesters. So if nothing else, you can have your laugh for the day. I'm in favor of the impeachment of this criminal regime, the whole lot of them. Trump, Pence, Barr, everybody. Because they are actually a fascist regime that is deconstructing democracy as we know it. Deconstructing democracy. This isn't a lasagna that you can de... I mean, what the hell? Lady, you're able to protest the president of the United States. If this was a fascist regime, you'd be dead right now. That's it, 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 that's not me threatening anybody. That's the statement of fact. Uh, go go try to protest a fascist re- regime and see what happens to you by sunset. This is the crazy hysteria of left-wing protesters. Uh, and this first guy, he wants to impeach them all. He wants to impeach the president, the vice president, the attorney general. Do elections not matter in this country? Does the Constitution not matter in this country? The vice president, there's no evidence in the Mueller report at all that the vice president did anything wrong. There's no evidence at all the attorney general did anything wrong. You just don't like them, so you want to abuse the constitutional process to punish them? I'm in favor of the impeachment of this criminal regime, the whole lot of them. Trump, Pence, Barr, everybody. Because they are actually a fascist regime that is deconstructing democracy as we know it. And I have no idea who's hammering in the background with these protesters. There were all sorts of them there um, raising a ruckus over the president who's in town to talk about uh, the opioid situation and what the government can do. I, I, you know, I I realize I have a a personality trait that when everybody's going in one direction, I tend to go in the opposite direction or at least say, wait, are we sure about this? And I'm getting that way with the opioid crisis as there's been a rush on the opioid crisis to uh, stop addiction, and it's a legitimate problem. There are legitimately people with addiction. There are legitimately people who have problems, and there are legitimately doctors who overprescribe pain medicine, but it's very much like the situation where you've, with um, pseudoephedrine, there, there's a new drug out there, and I shouldn't say new. It's been around for about a decade now called phenylephedrine, and it has largely been shown by science to be ineffective for allergies. Pseudoephedrine, however, actually is highly effective for allergies. Uh, pseudoephedrine and Sudafed and a lot of allergy medicines you now have to buy over-the-counter, but it's highly effective. Uh, Advil cold and sinus with pseudoephedrine in it, it really, really, really works during allergy season. Uh, pseudoephedrine works for almost everyone. And that's a big deal. But meth heads use pseudoephedrine to make meth. And so Diane Feinstein decided that we now have to be burdened when we want to go to the grocery store and buy pseudoephedrine. They could have passed a law that prohibits you from buying in bulk at uh, Sam's, Costco, and the like. Because all of the data and all the research showed that the meth heads were not going to your local grocery store and buying pseudoephedrine. They, they could have even restricted the numbers uh, that they could buy. They weren't getting their pseudoephedrine at the grocery store. But 
instead, Congress decided to make it deeply burdensome on people with allergies to be able to get pseudoephedrine. And not only that, if you've got a very bad allergy season and you buy too much in one week, the police will come arrest you because it is a crime to buy too much pseudoephedrine at the grocery store. And they have made it very, very burdensome on people with allergies. On people with the common cold, they have made it difficult uh, in an overreaction to meth heads. And I worry that Congress is going to overreact on the opioid situation. Yes, it is a problem. I myself know people who have kids who have OD'd on opioids, who have gotten addicted to opioids, who have gone through rehab. And I think the problem is probably with doctors who overprescribe. It's not with the patients. It's with the doctors who are making it very easy for people to have access to opioids. It's with the doctors who are overprescribing opioids. I, I just don't believe that the problem is really with a lot of the patients abusing. Uh, it is with the people who are getting them addicted. And we're going, I think, about it the wrong way when there are people who have a legitimate need for opioid pain medicine and making it ridiculously burdensome for them to get it. That being said, uh, I appreciate the president wanting to engage on this issue. The president, of course, has a brother who died of an alcohol addiction. The president does not drink. Uh, he has taken this issue very, very seriously because it hits very close to home with him, with people in his family having died of addiction. And he's very serious about fixing this issue. And it's one of those issues where the president does not get a lot of credit for building bipartisan consensus, but that's what he's done. And kudos to him coming to Atlanta to deal with this. And these sideshow nutters who are out there protesting, it's just kind of funny to hear them and their mad hysteria over this White House and this administration. Now, speaking of impeachment, Maxine Waters thinks that the American people are going to rise up and force impeachment on the president. I know that as leaders, they have the responsibility to try and hold our caucus together and to try and do and lead in the best way that they think uh, will help us to be successful. And so they'll, they're going to try and do everything that they can. If they believe that now is not the time for impeachment, they'll keep trying and they'll go down that road. The American people in the final analysis is going to push on the Congress uh, to do the impeachment. You know what the data shows? You know what the polling shows? People don't care. I mean, I, I, I realize Democratic activists care. I realize these people care. I'm in favor of the impeachment of this criminal regime, the whole lot of them. Trump, Pence, Barr, everybody. Because they are actually a fascist regime that is deconstructing democracy as we know it. Yeah, they're in favor of they're in favor of impeachment because of this dastardly fascist regime that is somehow letting these people protest without actually going and rounding them up. They're in favor of it. Uh, but most Americans actually aren't. Most Americans don't care about the Russia investigation. They don't care about the Mueller investigation. They don't care about this. You've even got Hillary Clinton now coming out saying, uh, you know what? You got an election year away. Maybe not do impeachment. Maybe win this at the ballot box. 
But Democrats are out there saying we're, we're going to have to consider this. Nancy Pelosi's strategy is a strategy that's ultimately not going to placate very many people. She wants to have more hearings. She wants to bring Bob Mueller to Congress. She wants to investigate further the Trump organization, but she doesn't really want impeachment. What she's hoping is that if they can build the spectacle up, maybe they will find some grounds on which to impeach the president, or maybe they can use it as an election issue in 2020 without actually impeaching the president. She very much does not want to go down this road. And the reason she does not want to go down this road is because she and the Democrats have convinced themselves that this is not a good look for them in 2020, that the majority of American people don't actually favor impeachment. It is a hardcore Democratic subset that is in favor of impeachment. And if they're placating that Democratic base, they're deeply afraid they may lose the base of average voters out there who all the data says they don't care about the issue. Look, there are a lot of people out there who don't care for the president. The president's popularity has gone down again. People love the way he's handled the economy. People actually are realizing the tax cuts were a good thing. They like the stable economy, but they don't like the president personally, and that is affecting his job approval numbers. But none of them actually want to beat the president at uh, through impeachment they want to beat the president through the ballot box. And the problem the Democrats have right now is that they don't have a candidate who appears to be able to beat the president at the ballot box. They are going very hard left right now. So you've even got the chairman of the Democratic Party coming out and already laying the table in is setting the table in 2024. The race will have been stolen if Donald Trump gets reelected. That's not helpful for them. And they don't have a message to combat the president right now. And as long as they don't have a message to combat the president, the loudest voices in the room are the ones that are going to dominate the Democratic Party. And those loud voices right now are all about impeachment. That's not going to help them sell their message for 2020 against the president. And Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton, they actually get this. Just the Democratic presidential candidates don't. Okay, I went out of town this past weekend and I did not have my butterfly pillow. And it's actually called my butterfly pillow. That's the product name. They sent me one and asked if I would review it. Gosh, it's been about a month ago. Uh, Georgia Company, they sent it to me, asked if I wanted to review it. I fell in love with it. And then my kids stole it from me and I had to steal it back from my kids. So my butterfly pillow is kind of unique in that it is adjustable in more ways than one. It's got a pillow and a pillow for your ear. It has a built-in uh, Night Owls Bluetooth speaker, so you can listen to music, sound, even smart TV. It, it, the height is adjustable. It's even got a great position for you for your arm if you're a side sleeper. I love my butterfly pillow. You will love my butterfly pillow. I went out of town this weekend and I didn't take it with me and very much missed it. It has become my go-to napping pillow. Listeners to the Eric Erickson show get $30 off the list price of $129. You use code Eric, E-R-I-C-K at checkout. You'll get my butterfly pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental United States. Go to mybutterflypillow.com. Enter the code Eric at checkout to save $30 and get free shipping. That's mybutterflypillow.com. The checkout code is Eric. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News, the phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. I want to go to Pamela uh, on the phones. Welcome, Pamela. How are you? Hi, Eric. It's great to talk to you. Thank, Thank you. For- 
taking your call and listening to what I have to say. Um, Eric, I am a chronic pain patient, one of those people who takes the opiates on a full-time basis. I was in a commercial airline accident when I was 23 and was gravely injured. And I, I have catastrophic injuries that I will never, ever be free from pain of. And the, the pain is constant. Without the opiates, I would probably, I would very likely be a suicide case. And, you know, they are harassing doctors. My doctor gets letters from the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, constantly. We get letters from my insurance company threatening him and telling him shouldn't be prescribing these things, although I take fewer than I'm allowed um, every month. And, you know, for doctors for chronic pain patients, it's very easy to keep tabs on them. All you have to do, all my doctor does every month is put my name and my birth date on this computer, and it'll everything will come up that I have gotten prescribed. So you mm-hmm. cannot, you can no longer get away with doc shopping. And if you are overtaking them, a, a legitimate doctor um, can stop. My doctor, if he finds somebody doc shopping, he he dismisses them instantly. Mm-hmm. They are gone. He will not treat them. And I, as talking for some others like myself. I've tried everything that is out there for pain, absolutely everything. Um, I have volunteered for, for trials to try things like Ketterman, Ketterman nose spray and all kinds of things as an acupuncture and Novocaine shots and steroids, et cetera, et cetera. But none of them are, none of them really work for a very long time. Mm-hmm. The opiates keep me stable so I can live a normal life. The high that you get, the I love everybody feeling, is, is gone after a couple of days, and you have two choices. Continue to take it, and it'll work on your pain, or start abusing it, and you'll be in trouble. Right. Um, and I've, I've been a patient, chronic pain patient for 23 years. I am extremely reliable. I have never overtaken the drugs. And yet we are in a situation to where we might come to a point where uh, chronic pain patients can no longer get medication. Mm-hmm. And it scares the ever loving life out of me. Yeah, and you know, Pamela, I, I just I, I gotta I let you go there, but I, I appreciate your your call very much, and I'm glad you had time to get all of that out because this is my fear um, that we're almost overcorrecting on the problem. There are ways to solve the problem, but I don't think we should deny the fact that there actually are people like in Pamela's situation who do have pain problems. Uh, that are managed by opioids and we're making their lives really difficult because of some bad actors. And that's a problem. It's Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, a personal note, uh, I want to let you know we have now formally invited Vice President Pence to the resurgent gathering uh, August 1st through 4th in Atlanta. Um, we cannot confirm he will be there, but we have submitted a formal invite to his office. Uh, He has told me himself when I had lunch with him, if he can be there, he wants to be there. 
um, and tentatively is planning to. Governor Kemp is definitely going to be there. David Perdue is going to be there. We've reached out to Senator Isaacson as well. Uh, Tom Cotton from Arkansas. Uh, Tim Scott uh, from South Carolina. Doug Collins from Georgia. We're also trying to get some of the House Freedom Caucus members there as well, uh, including Mark Meadows, Jody Heiss, Jim Jordan, and others. Uh, it's going to be a great event. Also inviting uh, executives from Facebook, Google, uh, Microsoft, and others to talk about internet privacy. Going to be a real big policy issue this coming year in Congress. And want to actually invite them to come, um, some of their topics executives. If you want to be there, uh, you've got to pay. And when the vice president confirms, I tell you, I am jacking up the ticket price. Right now, it is only $99. Uh, you can RSVP, get a ticket by texting the word Atlanta to 345345. It is going to be in Atlanta the first weekend in August. Also, this is important. If your business wants to be listed as a sponsor and help us, uh, let us know, please. Uh, we do need sponsorships to make this happen. Uh, so just uh, let us know if your business is interested. You obviously get a taxable benefit there by being a sponsor. But uh, if you want to come, uh, knowing who's coming, who's potentially coming, text Atlanta to 345-345. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, I want to go to Jim in Duluth. You're going to be next. Welcome. Jim. Uh, I want to go to Jim in Duluth. Yeah. Uh, Jim, you're, we're going to have to come back to you here because you're you're on delay or something there. Jim, you there? Uh, we're having issues with Jim. Linda in Duluth, let's try you next. Welcome. Hey. Hi there. I'm a pharmacist, and what I've seen in the last few years with these narcotic situations, they've made them harder for us to get. They've put such controls on us, only buying 5% or less of our total inventory in them. But what you're seeing is more people buying illegal drugs and overdosing on them because they've gotten so strict and so hard to get that people who would normally probably be maintained by a doctor and just buying, say, 100 a month or something like that, they're going and they're going to the street and buying something they don't know what's in it and they're overdosing and killing themselves or they're going to heroin and the deaths from overdose are so far up and it's probably because they've gotten stricter on these drugs you know linda i'm glad you said this i'm, I'm glad you called in on this because i have heard this from several different pharmacists that they actually think the problem isn't that doctors are prescribing too much. It's that the government got involved and people are having to go to the street now to find their pain medicine when their doctors were actually able to regulate them on over-the-counter medicine. That's exactly what's happening. We see it all the time. It's even gotten to the point we can't even buy what we need for our regular patients who've been on pain therapy for years because they are the warehouses, the wholesale us. And now we've got lawsuits going after a manufacturer who makes the drugs. They have nothing to do. They're making drugs that are for people who have chronic pain and who are dying from cancer. And they're trying to put them out of business and make it so expensive on the lawsuits that nobody's going to be able to afford them. This is crazy. You are absolutely crazy it is. Linda, thanks very much for the phone call. Uh, thank you for that. I have actually, what Linda said as a pharmacist is what several pharmacist friends of mine have told me that, Yes, there has been a problem with doctors shopping drugs, but they have largely figured out a way to crack down on that and have systems in place now to find that out. 
But the problem now is that uh, government regulations have curtailed access to even legitimate doctors with legitimate patients who have serious pain issues that a lot of the people who are developing the addictions, they're not developing addictions from opioids to the doctor. It's that they can't get them from their doctor anymore, and they've gone out uh, onto the street, and they're developing addictions to heroin and, and narcotics that are claimed to be the opioids that they can get from the doctor, and they're not. They have got they come from other countries. They've got other things in them. They're not safe. Charlie just sent me a, a tweet to the New York Post. Starbucks is adding dirty needle disposal boxes to bathrooms. Why? Because of heroin addiction. The people who have developed heroin addictions to deal with their pain and elsewhere, and, and the addictions are spiraling. It just is perfect article. Okay, so let me tell you the story. So, you know, last month Christy was really sick. We were in, in and out of the ER, and we're in the ER, and there's a woman in the ER. She's got um, some problems. She's got bad diabetes, and the doctor tells her that she has like two feet of poop backed up in her intestines. And she can't use the bathroom because she's been on narcotics. They've slowed her digestive system. And the doctor tells her, if we can't get this resolved, you are going to die. You need to be in the hospital. And she's in pain and she's crying and she wants more narcotics and more narcotics. The doctor says, we can't give you narcotics. We have to treat this. We have to get this back up out of you. The woman just wants narcotics and begins arguing with the doctor. And the doctor says, look, you came in on your own. You you can leave on your own. And she says, oh, I can't. i got to wait for my sister. i got to wait for my sister. I need my sister help. Oh, I'm in pain. Oh, I'm in pain. She starts yelling at the doctors and the nurses, and they all leave. Well, the nurse comes in to, to check on my wife, and Christy says, watch where you're stepping. There's water on the floor. And the nurse turns around and says, well, where is this coming from? And we realize the woman next to us has gotten very, very quiet. She has taken the IV out of her arm, needle and all, let it drip all over the floor, and has left. No one knows where she's gone. And the nurse comments to us that they see this now with certain older patients who have developed narcotics addictions, and they go from emergency room to emergency room, and doctors and nurses are now trained on this, but occasionally they, they get one who's been able to take advantage of the system. So let's not downplay the fact that there are people who do have doctors, who do help them get access to prescriptions and overprescribe. And there are people who go from emergency room to emergency room trying to get pain medicine, uh, who have addictions. But let's also understand that uh, there are ways to treat that problem, ways to regulate that problem, ways to build databases around that problem to stop the problem. But we really genuinely have a situation where people with legitimate pain problems are being hurt because the government has overcorrected on dealing with narcotics. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let us go back to the phones. Jeff, uh, you're going to be next. Welcome to the program. How are you doing, sir? Good. How are you? Not too bad. It's called knee-jerkitis. Yeah. And, you know, the government and everybody started back in Fayetteville about almost 10 years ago with Chris Benoit. Killed his wife himself and his uh, child. Then they find out his doctor's giving him all these drugs. But my problem is I've been on pain management for almost 10 years. And the only reason I'm working and not on the public dole is because my doctor's been able to manage my pain. I've had 
six back procedures, two knee procedures, uh, looking at another back surgery, and because they can manage my pain, I can continue to work and not be taking money from the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. But they keep making it harder and harder for me to get the medication that I need. Sometimes I can't work because everybody's out of it. And without it, I can't work. You're you're not alone in, in these stories, and, and, and you're right. I, I think there has been an overreaction, and, and that concerns me because I, I recognize, and I don't want anyone to hear me or, or Jeff or anyone else who's called in suggesting or downplaying the fact that there are people who have gotten addicted to opioids. They are highly addictive. Uh, I know I have a very dear friend whose son got addicted to opioids. Uh, I've got a very dear friend whose next-door neighbor's kid uh, overdosed and died because of opioid addiction. I don't want to downplay addiction, but there's a common thread that runs through a lot of the addiction processes, and that is at this it used to be that doctors overprescribed, people got addicted and had all sorts of problems. Uh, people doctor shopped. And now one of the problems is one of the biggest problems is that people are they've got doctors who have prescribed, they can't get the medicine and they go out on the street to try to find it. And that becomes a real problem as well when you're going out on the street and you're getting unsafe medication. I cannot express to you enough, how common this is becoming, the rise of heroin addiction in this country, the rise of people going online and finding the medicine they need, and it turns out it's got fentanyl or other other drugs in it and causes them to die or become even more addicted. They're not getting their prescriptions from legitimate pharmacies because the legitimate pharmacies don't have the medicine. It is a problem. All of this is a problem. And my concern is always when the government overreacts, the the government causes more harm than good. It's like the old story um, from, oh, what's his name? Uh, The former senator, Everett Dirksen. Uh, There's a monument to him in Washington. There are actually two parties in Washington, not the Democrats and Republicans. The two parties in Washington are the stupid party and the evil party. And every once in a while, the stupid party and the evil party get together and they do something that is both stupid and evil. And the press heralds it as a bipartisan accomplishment. Uh, that's the thing you have to worry about in Washington and elsewhere is when you have this bipartisan approach to problems like this, everyone wants to grandstand on the issue. Uh, kudos to the president, though, for coming to Georgia and actually having a serious discussion with doctors on this issue where he heard these concerns. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750, WSB in Atlanta's Evening News. I was actually not going to talk about this, uh, but uh, suddenly we have some audio that I think is is worth playing for you to hear. This is CBS uh, conducting an interview with the spokesgirl, I mean, young adult, I guess, of the Sunrise Movement kid. Kid, yes. Charlie says kid. Um, it does not appear to be that old. Of course, you know, I, now I've, I've, I'm over 40, and so now like a, a 20-year-old in college it looks like a 10-year-old. I don't know how this happens. But, you know, like when you're 30, you can look at somebody in college and say, yeah, okay, they're, they're in their early 20s. And now I've gotten to be just over 40, and I'm like, uh, are you – in elementary school or college, I can't tell the difference. I I don't know how this happens. 
<laughs> but okay, so I, I got to play this interview. So this is this is again, it's CBS News interviewing the kid who's the spokesgirl for the Sunrise Movement, the left wing group that is the advocacy group behind the Green New Deal. You just got to listen to this. Araceli Jimenez is the spokesperson for the youth activist group, the Sunrise Movement. The organization helped launch the Green New Deal, working with Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So given, obviously, that we have a Republican-controlled Senate, uh, do you think there's room for some moderate compromise on this issue? I would say no, and that's mostly because there is growing grassroots support for the Green New Deal in every corner of this country. Do you think that Democratic politicians like but Amy wait, 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 that, are that's, going far enough? That's not true. There actually isn't growing support for the Green New Deal. I would say no. I would love to hear more concrete proposals that would fit into a Green New Deal. You know, with just 12 years to tackle this crisis. <laughs> 12 years. We only have 12 years, folks. It's time for... Democratic 2020 uh, candidates to come out with their specifically with their specific policy issues. A, a Republican-controlled Senate, a Democratic-controlled House. There has to be some compromise. Usually, would would your group and would those backing the Green New Deal be happy with a sort of Obama-era compromise? I mean, it happened with health care. There was a lot of compromise there. The bill went through, and now a lot of Americans. Wait, 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 wait. This is the CBS anchor talking. There was there was compromise on health care. Really? There was compromise on health care? Both on the left and the right are pretty happy with it. Would you be happy with that sort of compromise? I would say no, and that's mostly because, again, the, <laughs> the most recent science has told us that this is a crisis, a crisis right. that we have an expiration date. So what would you say to Nancy Pelosi? Do you think that she is underestimating some of these junior congresswomen? It just shows that perhaps Nancy Pelosi is a little bit out of touch with the Democratic base. To people who say, hey, you know, this isn't, this is sort of a half-baked idea. It's not well thought through. What are some of the specific things you can point to that you think are practical? We want a federal jobs guarantee. We want to expand what? labor rights. We need what? to expand indigenous people's rights. What? We need to give workers uh, consistent access to health care. We need to provide uh, child care. We need huh? to introduce regenerative agricultural what? what does any of that have to do with saving the planet? <laughs> We need indige indigenous people's rights and women's rights and, and guaranteed federal jobs. What does any of that have to do with saving the planet? The This is, it's, it's she's fairly well admitting so socialism. So that's a platform that goes beyond the environment. So you're, you're, uh -huh. you're not talking about just approach. In a Green New Deal, you're not talking about just the environment then. That's correct. <laughs> this is brilliant. Oh, it's, 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 wow. Wow. So what are you going to do to say, well, we have 12 years left. We've only got 12 years to solve the problem. So first we need a federal jobs guarantee. We need an indigenous, per, indigenous persons guarantee, a women's guarantee. Uh, my, this is about socialism. It's not about the environment. But yeah, I mean, just tip of the hat to the CBS anchor who says that there was a bipartisan compromise in the Obama era on health care. Well, well, well done there with your spin. So they really are going full socialist out there. The Democrats are. So you got Representative Carson is a Democrat who was asked about this earlier on TV today. Are you concerned about Democrats in your party embracing socialism? <laughs> no, I'm not. Um... Uh, I appreciate my, 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 my very liberal and far-left friends. Um, they enlighten me each and every day. 
I'm I'm a progressive. I'm also a member of the New Democratic Caucus. Um, I think I think to some degree, when you look historically, America is the wealthiest nation in recorded history. Our citizens should have some kind of health care system that is comprehensive and, and, and inclusive. Uh, America, being the wealthiest nation in the country, should have other things that other countries have done phenomenally well. Yeah, right. Uh, so you've got this this drift. And then you've got Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders yesterday in their CNN roundtables. Listen to this from Sanders. As it happens in my own state of Vermont, from the very first days of our state's history, what our Constitution says is that everybody can vote. That is true. So people in jail can vote. Now, here is my view. If somebody commits a serious crime, sexual assault, murder, they're going to be punished. They may be jail for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, their whole lives. That's what happens when you commit a serious crime. But I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Because once you start chipping away and you say, well, that guy committed a terrible crime, I'm not going to let him vote. Or that person did that, I'm not going to let that person vote. You're running down a slippery slope. So I believe that People who commit crimes, they pay the price. When they got out of jail, I believe they certainly should have the right to vote. But I do believe that even if they are in jail, they're paying their price to society, but that should not take away their inherent American right to participate in our democracy. So terrorists who are in jail for killing Americans should be able to vote. And they asked Kamala Harris about this at her CNN round ta- or CNN town hall. Senator Bernie Sanders said that uh, that he is in favor of felons being able to vote while serving in prison. He, he was asked specifically about people like the Boston Marathon bomber, also people who are convicted of sexual assault. And he said, this is a quote, the right to vote is inherent to our democracy, yes, even for terrible people. Do you agree with that, Senator? I agree that the right to vote is one of the very important components of citizenship. And it is something that people wait, should. Wait, pause um, that, pause that. We're not allowed to ask if she was slurring her words. We're, I've been told we're not allowed to ask that. So, yeah, I don't know. Should not be stripped of needlessly, which is why I have been long an advocate of making sure that the formerly incarcerated are not denied a right to vote, which is the case in so many states in our country, in some states permanently deprived of the right to vote. And these are policies that go back to Jim Crow. These are policies that go back to the heart of of policies that have been about disenfranchisement, policies that continue until today. And we need to take it seriously. But but people who are in Convicted in prison, like the Boston Marathon bomber, death row, people who are convicted of sexual assault, they should be able to vote? I think we should have that conversation. We should have that. Well, of course, the CNN anchors were even having none of it, and Harris has now had to walk all of this back. We right now have got a lot of work to do with the people in our country who have served their time and have been prohibited from voting. But, you know, um, do I think that people who commit murder, people who are terrorists, should be deprived of their rights? Yeah, I do. I'm a prosecutor. I believe that in terms of there, there has to be serious consequence for the, the most ex- extreme types of crimes. Why couldn't she say this last night? After Bernie Sanders said terrorists in prison for murdering Americans should be given the right to vote, 
her response was, um, yeah, we should have a conversation about that. And then today, this morning, she's like, ah, no, 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 my bad, no, no. <laughs> Why did it take her 12 hours to correct the record on that? When we come back, I mean, I, I got to play audio of, of liberal TV anchors who are even saying, what is going on here? Y'all, let me just take a quick time out to tell you how much I love my Quip Electric Toothbrush. Now, I know if you listen to any podcast, you're probably going to hear an ad for Quip or Harry's or different mattresses and stuff. I'm actually a Quip user and have been for about three years now. In fact, my Quip toothbrush broke two weeks ago. I've had it for several years now, and I broke it. I wasn't paying attention when I changed the brush head. Completely my fault. <laughs> um, uh, and I had to get a new one. And in the meantime, I had to go to the grocery store and get a new toothbrush. And I wasn't going to pay for one of those cheapy vibrating toothbrushes, and I certainly wasn't going to pay for one of the multi-hundred-dollar vibrating toothbrushes because I went online, ordered my new Quip, and had to wait for it a couple days to come in. But my goodness, um, it just use a quip and you can see the difference. In fact, I go to the orthodontist now because I've got the Invisalign braces and he keeps asking me when I started bleaching my teeth and he's asked me every time I've gone in and I don't, I just use the quip. It's that good. It vibrates, it pulses every 30 seconds so you get an even cleaning after two minutes, it turns itself off. The thing sells itself. Uh, I love my quip and it starts at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now, you'll get your first refill pack. That is your first brush head. Every three months, you get a new brush head. First one's free. If you go to getquip.com slash Eric, and you get a free with a Quip Electric Toothbrush. And again, only $25. So you get your first brush head refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Eric. You will not find a better toothbrush out there at this point. I'm convinced. I love my Quip. Okay, my apologies to those of you who are on hold, but I absolutely, this is just fantastic. Uh, Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon, uh, not exactly of the right, talking about these Democrats and their st how they're sticking out 2020. Top 2020 Democratic hopefuls have been following Bernie Sanders' lead on many progressive policy stances. But last night, Senator Sanders said that people in prison, even terrorists like the Boston bomber, have the right to vote while they're in mm -hmm. prison. <laughs> D. Lemon, what's your take? Uh, I was stunned, as you could see, you could see on, on our faces and the responses. Listen, I'm glad we asked the question. I'm glad you asked the question uh, first to Bernie, and then we um, talked to the other candidates, the subsequent candidates who came on. Uh, and it's it's interesting. I think um, I think you were right that it's going to be a campaign for those who said either yes, they should be able to vote, even the the most awful people among us. Or we should have a conversation about it. I think it's going to be an issue. Senator Kamala Harris said that she has now revised her opinion in saying those who are in prison, no, no. they don't get the vote. No. Well, last night, that's not what she said. But yep. she, she is, listen, she can revise her position uh, and change her mind. Or maybe she just didn't um, get it out last night. But I think that is going to be an issue. And I think it's, it's, it's a real, it's an interesting subject or question to debate. Um, but I think most people in America feel like once you've paid your debt to society, maybe you should have the opportunity to go out and vote um, and at, at least exercise your constitutional rights. But if you're in prison, if you have create, uh, committed a crime like the Boston Marathon bombings or if you'd, you've assaulted or abused a child, I don't think Americans would 
most Americans would want people like that to vote. You know what? If <laughs> Duh. Um, I mean, really, though, they're right. And it's crazy that the Democrats are moving that far left. cannot read you people what my producer just texted me. Hey, I, I want to reiterate something Chris Chandler uh, just mentioned. There is a short film up on Jamie Dupree. Uh, he just won a prestigious award. Uh, we are delighted to have him back on air. He lost his voice, and it does not appear thus far to be coming back, and it's been several years now. And we basically went through the digital archives here and elsewhere, the Cox Media Group found all of his audio and were able to work with a company in Scotland to digitize his voice, to be able to get him back on air, to bring his great reporting back to WSB. Now, obviously, there are new people who listen to the station, tune in every day, about to be even more people uh, tuning into the station um, when K-Love gets to town, and they don't know who Jamie Dupree is, and they hear this voice that does sound somewhat uh, electronic, and we want people to know uh, this is our Jamie Dupree, and he is a brilliant reporter, brilliant reporter. He lost his voice, and he's still on radio, and it's wonderful to work for a company that invested in helping him find his voice again, even through the computer, to be able to do this, and I hope you will go to wsbradio.com and check out this short film on uh, him his award, and what all this means. Now, let's go back to the phones. I am going to go, if I can move my mouse around on the screen, to Tom. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How you doing? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I've, I just wanted to make a comment. I, I don't think most people in our country, and especially our elected officials, understand the difference between human rights and uh, civil rights. And, uh, and I believe that when you've committed a crime and you're put in prison, that you have given up your civil rights, at least temporarily. And uh, I don't think anybody in prison for any reason should be voting. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think anybody who's in prison and convicted of a crime should be voting. Um, and yeah, I, I do understand. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people, the progressives really muddy the water here as well, the difference between human rights and civil rights. Uh, the, you have civil rights in participating in the democratic processes of this country, and you, you do have human rights. You don't have the, the, you have a right to not be tortured, things like that. Um, yes, but... The idea that Bernie Sanders or any Democrat would go out on a limb and say we should let terrorists, the, the Boston bomber who is an American citizen, vote, that's just crazy talk. Absolutely crazy talk. Uh, Al, you're going to be next. Welcome. How you doing, Eric? Good. How are you? Good. Listen, where does it say that you actually have the right to vote in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights? From listening to Neil Bortz that I used to listen to, you, he said that it is not written anywhere. I understand you have the privilege to vote. Is that correct? I mean, where is it written that says you have the right to vote other than, um, I think it was decided in 2008, Gore versus Bush, when uh, the state, uh, I think the Supreme Court stated 
that you couldn't stop somebody from voting in their state if their well, poll tax wasn't paid. It, it actually is a right under the Constitution. Uh, it is the 15th Amendment. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state uh, on account of race, color, or previous servitude. And then you've got the 19th Amendment. Uh, the 19th Amendment, the right of the citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged on account of sex. And then you got the 26th Amendment that says the right of citizens who are 18 years or older to vote shall not be denied or abridged uh, without uh, due process of law. So you got three amendments in the Constitution that actually say it's a right, uh, the right to vote, not a privilege to vote. And then, of course, you have the 14th Amendment. That also uh, sets up the the right to pe- of people to vote under the second section of the Fourteenth Amendment that I read yesterday. It, it's it's not a it's not a privilege to vote. It is a right, and you can't have that right taken away from you without due process of law, uh, taking away your life, liberty, or property. Now back to the phones we go. Rob in Marietta, you're going to be next. Hey Eric. Hi there. It's pretty disingenuous of the Democratic Party, as usual, to champion rights for felons when practically every election has stories of them trying to deny the rights of other people serving time in the uniforms of our armed forces. You know, Rob, I'm glad you brought this up because it is one of those things going back to 2018 and this Democratic mythology of the Democrats in Georgia suppressing the right to vote. And it was actually the Democrats in Georgia who were trying very desperately to get all the ballots counted and and lock everything down before all the military ballots came back. I think people forget about how the the Democrats actually work very hard to make sure military votes in the country aren't counted. And yes, it actually is true. They they do. They have made it harder to try to count military ballots. And, and you do have Democrats routinely trying to rush uh, the process and, and avoid counting all the Democratic or counting all the military ballots that have come in from overseas. It's very, very interesting. So, for example, there is a deadline to get your ballot back uh, into this country. We, we're not going to wait indefinitely for someone to mail their ballot back. But what's so funny is that if ballots come in the next day after the deadline is passed, and the Democrats were like, oh, we got to count everything. We got to count every ballot, every ballot. And one comes back like 20 minutes after the deadline because the post office showed up late. Oh, no, 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 we, we, we can't count that ballot from the military. No, 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 sirree, Bob, we can't count that one. Um, the whole idea, the, the whole voter suppression topic, and frankly, a lot of the Republican talking points about people stealing the vote, they're all partisan power plays. I mean, there really isn't a massive wellspring of voter fraud in this country. And and I say that as someone who supports voter ID, I think you should have to show your ID to be able to vote. You got to show it to get into a federal building. You got to show it to cash a check. We should, particularly with, with Russia doing what Russia does to try to disrupt elections, you should. But there isn't some massive amount of voter fraud out there um, stealing elections, not since the dead voted for Kennedy in 1960. But at the same time, there really isn't this massive effort by Republicans to suppress the vote. This is what Democrats tell black voters to scare them, to get them to turn out. It's not actually true. It's just a mythology that Democrats tell uh, particularly black voters, but also Hispanic voters, to try to get them to show up, uh, make them angry so that they show up in large numbers. But it's not actually true. It's a mythology. It's like the bedtime stories you tell kids about monsters under the bed that are going to come out and get you if you don't go on and go to sleep. You try to trying to control someone's behavior through fear, and it's a myth. 
All right. This one, I will give you your laugh for the day. Uh, Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez, listen to this. We have to be prepared for more lying, cheating, and stealing because they have a, an approach uh, to undermining our democracy that is shameful. And that is why we're organizing everywhere. And that is why we're preparing for every eventuality. And we won in 2018 uh, across this country in historic manners. But I am very sober about the realities of the upcoming campaign. And they will, they will try to suppress the vote wherever they can. Uh, they will try to cheat. Right. They will try to weaponize things. And we will, that's what we're preparing for at the DNC. And, and that is unfortunate. That's yeah. why uh, our, our democracy is truly on the ballot. And I'm confident we can win. But uh, right. it's, it's, it saddens me to no end. <laughs> this was on MSNBC. Uh, basically, the DNC already saying, ah, they're going to steal 2020. We've already lost. <laughs> Got to start early.